6 a.m. on the West Coast, 9 a.m. on the East Coast of America, 2 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India. In Kyoto, Japan, it's 11 p.m. And in Malaysia, it never stops being 1984. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Welcome in Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch.tv Live, and Rumble.com. We are live on all four platforms. I know I'm very bright tonight. I don't know. Well, lighting-wise, I'm very bright tonight. Okay, let's be clear about that. How bright I am, in quotes, remains to be seen. I think we'll leave it like that. You can see all my wrinkles. You can see everything. All the gory details. But I kind of like this bright brightness. We'll see. Usually I've got like, a, it looks like a dungeon in here. So for some reason tonight it doesn't. I'm still tired as hell. I got a shot on Monday. And ever since then I've just been, I feel okay physically, but I'm just lethargic. It's just like my whole life is like one big meh. So... Anyway, Darren, hey, welcome in. It's been a while since we saw you. Nice to have you along for the ride here tonight. Um, yeah, so as I was saying, it's just been kind of one of those, one of those meh sort of weeks. Uh, I got lots to talk about, and uh, we will get to our book also. And we also want to welcome in all of our podcast listeners. We are a podcast, and... Uh, you can find us on all the platforms you normally find your podcasts on. We are uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, Radio Public, Stitcher, Geo7 in India. We have a lot of Indian listeners. Uh, I mention that every every time because, and I don't know why, we just do so. It's great to have you guys. Thank you for the downloads and the listen-ins. And Luna Amethyst, welcome. Hello over there in the United States of America. Hope you're doing well this evening. We have, uh, we have lots going on tonight. Uh, however, today was a very special day for this little lady. Miko update. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. It is Miko's second birthday. She turned two years old today. That is the big Miko update. Her birthday is today, December 1st. She was born two years ago today, and we had a celebration. As a matter of fact, uh, hang on one quick second here, and I will get you some pictures of this big event. There you go. There is Miko's birthday cake. <laughs> we, we got it. Uh, what was 11 something? I forget. I wish I could credit what the company was because it was so nice and so well made, delivered to the house. 
It's got all kinds. It's made specifically for dogs, and it says Miko's birthday on it. Uh, they sent us a few little snacks here also. So there's the cake. We put the two candles on, and um, it's it's got like um, pumpkin and chicken and all kinds of good stuff for dogs. It's not made for people. I, I'll tell you because I don't care. I'll put anything in my mouth. I, I actually tried it. It, it was dry, but it was, it was okay. It wasn't bad. It was an okay taste. And there is the little girl before we lit the candles. We stuck a little dog bone on there too for her. And um, she just, there's with the candles lit. Her two, Now, obviously, she wasn't going to blow out the candles, so we, we helped her with that. But um, she, you know, didn't quite know what was going on, except everybody was paying attention to her. So, uh, yeah, the little lady turned two years old today. There's a great shot of her with the cake, and uh, she is ready to dive in. There you go, adding, adding the dog bone. She didn't quite know what to do at first. Uh, she's never had something to eat that looked like this, but she finally wound up licking off the icing, which, again, was made specifically for dogs, here is uh, here's some action cam of her eating the words off the cake. It didn't take long, and she got right through it um, until she got down to uh, O's day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was the first. Just like any kid, you know, at two years old, she's kind of an, a teenager now. So just like any kid would, any teenager, eat the icing first, of course all the good stuff, and then worry about the cake. But uh, she did eventually jump in, and uh, there she is. Oh, look at those teeth. <laughs> Again, if you're listening on the podcast, sorry, there's all visuals for this part, but you can go over to our video at Rumble or YouTube, Twitch.tv or Facebook, and check out these pictures of, uh, of Miko's birthday. Uh, quite a celebration. She had a great time. Loved her cake. Her present, sadly, didn't get here in time. It was ordered, but it didn't get here. So I'll get you pictures of that probably by Saturday's stream. So, yeah. <laughs> great stuff. Great memories. Ones you want to hold on to. And speaking of memories, our thumbnail tonight and our headline is Erase All Your Bad Memories. Would you... If you could, I don't know that I would, that I would want to. Why, why would you want to get rid of, I mean, I could see if you could pick and choose one or two horrible things in your life, but I don't think I would choose to do that if I was given a choice. This uh, came up, it was from Facts at Gruff. Gruff facts. Scientists are working on technology that will erase all your painful and scary memories from your brain. I don't want that. Seriously. I mean, we have a yin-yang kind of existence. We have the good and the bad, and it's a balance I know there are times where you feel like the balance is tilted more in one direction than the other. 
But eventually, our lives, for the most part, balance out. We go through horrible times. We go through good times. But I think missing the memories of those bad times would not be a good thing. I found an article, strangely enough, it's from way back in 2016. So what, uh, five years ago? But that headline about science technology being able to erase bad, scary memories... Uh, apparently it's been around for a while because back in 2016, The Thrillist, you'll find the link in our show notes, thethrillist.com did an article, says we now have the power to erase bad memories. We all have memories we wish we could get rid of from our brains, bad breakups, traumatic injuries, embarrassing social missteps. Uh, If we only had access to the same funky memory-erasing procedure that Jim Carrey had done in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, a film that I do not remember or have I ever heard of that I know of. Anyway, it turns out technology isn't all that far-fetched. A team of researchers is hard at work developing new methods that would enable us to selectively forget unpleasant memories. There's a whole article here about how the science... Now, maybe this was from five years ago. Maybe the newest article. I couldn't find any new updates to the data. But um, this was five years ago. Every time you recall a specific memory, you change it ever so slightly. Psychologists frequently compare our memories to an ongoing game of telephone. You know, where you say one thing and you pass it down the line and by the time it gets to the last person, it's totally different. Um, Cloudy or sunny when you were at the beach the day you saw a shark. Were you 12 or 10 years old? Those might be details you want to remember or that someone else suggested is true. And if you have a particular painful memory... Scientists can take advantage of the flimsy nature and neutralize your feelings of sadness, fear, embarrassment that you associate with it. One method is blocking, oh, I'll never pronounce this word, norepineprene, a chemical associated with our fight or flight response while triggering the memory. The changes, it changes the way the memory is put back after it's been retrieved, a process known as reconsolidation. Now, I'm not going to bore you with this whole article. If you want to read it, go into the show notes. The article is there. You can check it out, read all about it, get all the gory details. But the bottom line is, if you had the chance to erase bad memories, would you do it? I would not. I absolutely, right away, the moment I saw that headline, I thought, well, I wouldn't want that. I really wouldn't. I want to feel the bad because that lets me feel the good. Makes sense? Makes sense to me. I don't know. I do know that my headphones are screwing up again tonight and I don't know why and it is driving me nuts. So I'm going to play around with the headphones in the back here just a little bit. And if that doesn't work, then I will give up (laughs) like that. Okay, Um, there's another interesting article I found. 
Again, the link is in the show notes. It's from says.com. And you need to check it out because it's very cool. It's from a Malaysian, a Malaysian uh, uh, podcaster, viral guy. Uh, He pens the struggles many under 30 face in a viral post. Uh, Finance and lifestyle blogger Yi Xuan. Okay, you got to give me one more second here because seriously, this headphones are driving me nuts. And I don't know why they're doing that. Okay. Uh, He detailed his personal struggles that many below 30 may also be facing. Uh, This article from says.com. Check it out here. Uh, Monday, November 22nd. He's 27 years old. He runs a blog called No Money La, where he often talks about his finance journey, personal growth. He penned a Facebook post that's been shared over 46,000 times. In it, he shares how his life goals have changed in some ways between generations. Isn't it crazy, is a quote here from the article, that at this age, many of our parents were already getting married, more so bringing us into the world. On the flip side, many today are still struggling to get a hold of ourselves in our late 20s. Forget getting married, buying a house by 30. I'm blessed if I can take care of myself already. Speaking to over 11,000 followers, this guy, Yi Xuan, continues to uh, revealing some of his deepest struggles as he gets closer to age 30. Uh, Again, I'm not going to read the whole article. It's from says.com. The link's in the show notes. You can check it out yourself. If you're below 30, I suggest that you do, because it's quite interesting, this guy's observations. Uh, For the longest time, he he writes, I find it extremely hard to express my fears and worries in words. Why? Because by the norms, the age 30 is such a unique milestone in life. But you know, Yi, it is because you've made it that. It doesn't have to be whether it's parental pressure, societal pressure, friends pressure, you're the one who is allowing yourself to be pressured very easily. I did a a post on my Facebook page earlier this week, which was a big empty room. And it said, here's a room filled with the people who really have any influence on your life. Because you don't have to let anybody have any influence on your life. You do you. And stop listening to what you're supposed to do, in quotations. Anyway, read the article. It's quite good. You can follow uh, Yi Xuan on his his blog. Uh, Again, it is uh, No Money La is where the blog is uh, found. NoMoneyLa.com. And uh, check it out. It's an interesting article. He writes an interesting piece. Um, I do remember my 30th birthday. Again, I was in the U.S. living there at that time. I would have been in Connecticut by then. 30 is the age that bothered me. Not for the reasons in this post about getting married, having a successful career, although I did at that point. I was already... 12 years into my radio career. And um, 
but but it was just turning 30 knowing that i wasn't and would never be a 20 something anymore that bugged the hell out of me it was just a psychological thing i got over it in a couple of weeks but that was the big thing for me it was simply that i wasn't a 20 something year old anymore and i was now 30 uh but trust me if i knew then <laughs> The best was certainly yet to come. And here I sit, exactly halfway across the planet. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you. Oh, my goodness. What else have we got going on here? Oh, what'd you have for dinner tonight? Hmm? Did you have uh, seafood? Sotong, which is what we call octopus or squid, I think, here in Malaysia. Well, if you're in the UK, you might want to think twice. The United Kingdom has declared octopuses, although I thought it was octopi. It says octopuses. And squids are now sentient beings. The UK says the creatures can feel pain, pleasure, hunger, thirst, warmth, joy, comfort, and excitement. And so they have officially declared octopus and squid as sentient beings. The link is in the show notes. I encourage you to read it. It's from futurism.com. Uh, they confirmed what everybody who ugly cried during my octopus teacher already knew. Octopuses are sentient, capable of perceiving things like pain and pleasure. They're adding an amendment to their wildlife animal welfare sentience bill and recognizing creatures such as octopus, crabs, squid, and lobsters, along with all other decapod crustaceans and cephalopod mollusks, as sentient creatures. The science is now clear that decapods and cephalopods can feel pain and therefore, it is only right that they are covered by this vital piece of legislation. That, according to the welfare, animal welfare minister, Lord Zach Goldsmith. So, love your octopuses. <laughs> Ow! It's the UK. What can I say? Throw another squid on the Barbie. That's, I know, weird, huh? I have enough time dealing with wacky humans. I don't think I need to deal with the feelings of an octopus or a squid. Speaking of humans, here is one of the most human people I've ever heard of. And thank you to uh, Zane for sharing this on his Facebook. And uh, it's actually from Unbelievable Facts Facebook page. Uh, check it out. I think I put the link in the show notes, but it's a very quick piece. And it's about this guy named Bob Fletcher. During World War II, when thousands of Japanese Americans were sent to internment camps in one of the most embarrassing bits of American history I know of, um, during World War II, Japanese Americans were sent to internment camps because people just basically didn't trust them. 
It was a very different time, a very different time. And we hopefully have learned our lesson, although with the current environment, not only in the U.S., but places like Germany and Australia and New Zealand and those wacky dictatorships, I wouldn't be surprised to see the same thing. In fact, in Australia, I believe they're already sticking people in camps. But anyway, this fellow, he was a Sacramento farmer. His name was Bob Fletcher. And while these thousands of Japanese Americans were sent to the internment camps, he quit his job so that he could look after the farms of those Japanese American families. He kept the farms running, even paid the taxes and mortgages so that the families didn't lose everything. He was criticized and even shot at for this. But he did it anyway, because he knew it was the right thing to do. And a tip of the hat, I'm going to guess since this was in the early 40s, mid-40s, Mr. Fletcher is no longer with us. But um, somebody made the comment, not all heroes wear capes. And truer words were never spoken. Bob Fletcher, a real American hero. What an amazing story. Just, just had to share that tonight. All right, and one other amazing person. You see people, we have them here uh, at stoplights, stoplights that are notorious for taking forever. You know, it feels like you wait like three days of the week before the light turns green. We have a lot of those here in Malaysia and around the world. But this guy from South Africa, I love this story. It's, it's brilliant. And um, I think it works really well just before we go into reading our book here, because you know how we love encouraging you to read and encouraging your kids to read, encouraging you to get your kids to read and reading to your kids. By the way, research has shown, I've said this a thousand times before, I'm going to say it again, that whether your child reads or is read to, their comprehensive, uh, comprehension and learning is pretty much the same. So keep that in mind. If your child doesn't like to read and you can't softly get him into reading, read to him. It'll have the same effect. But check this guy out. This young man sits beside the Empire Road in Johannesburg, South Africa. And instead of begging... He provides book reviews. He collects books, reads them, and provides reviews of the book for people passing by. If you like the review, he will try to sell you the book. And that's how he makes a living. What an inventive, creative, cool guy. Instead of just holding out his hand and asking for a handout. He's actually providing a service. He collects these old books, he reads them, he gives you a quick review of the book, and if you're interested, you can buy the book from him. Fantastic. I love that story. That's from uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. <laughs> he should get a job in the library. Not a bad idea, huh? 
man, incredible. All right, we've got lots uh, to go on, and right now we're going to go on with our book. Yeah, it is the Christmas season. There's already stations here, radio stations, playing all Christmas music 24 hours a day. Oh, man. It's coming fast, folks. Three more Sundays until Christmas. That's it. That's all we got. So anyway, we're timing it out so that as we head into Christmas, we will have the uh, Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens finished. Uh, We are on the ghost of Christmas future, and we had quite an exciting time in our last chapter. Uh, We're a about halfway through the fourth chapter, which is about the third spirit, spirit of Christmas future. And the phantom spread his dark robe before Scrooge like a wing. And when he withdrew it, it revealed a room that was filled with daylight and a mother and her children were there. And that's where we left off last time in our story. So we'll continue on now with Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. She was expecting someone with anxious eagerness, for she walked up and down the room, started at every sound, looked out from the window, glanced at the clock, tried but in vain to work with her needle, and could hardly bear the voices of her children in their play. At length, the long-expected knock was heard. She hurried to the door and met her husband, a man whose face was careworn and depressed, though he was young. There was a remarkable expression in it now, a kind of serious delight of which he felt ashamed, and which he struggled to repress. He sat down to the dinner that had been hoarded for him by the fire, and when she asked him faintly what news, which was not until after a long silence, he appeared embarrassed how to answer. Is it good, she said, or bad to help him? Bad, he answered. We're quite ruined? No, There is hope yet, Caroline. If he relents, she said, amazed, there is nothing is past hope. If such a miracle has happened, he is past relenting, said her husband. He is dead. She was a mild and patient creature, if her face spoke truth, but she was thankful in her soul to hear it. And she said so with clasped hands. She prayed forgiveness the next moment and was sorry, but the first was the emotion of her heart. What the half-drunken woman whom I told of you last night said to me when I tried to see him and obtain a week's delay, and what I thought was a mere excuse to avoid me, turns out to have been quite true. He was not only very ill, but dying then. To whom will our debt be transferred? 
I don't know. But before that time, we shall be ready with the money. And even though we were not, it would be bad fortune indeed to find so merciless a creditor in his successor. We may sleep tonight with light hearts, Caroline. Yes, soften it as they would, their hearts were lighter. The children's faces, hushed and clustered round to hear what they so little understood, were brighter. And it was a happier house for this man's death. The only emotion that the ghost could show him caused by the event was one of pleasure. Let me see some tenderness connected with the death, said Scrooge, or, or that dark chamber spirit, which we left just now will be forever present to me. The ghost conducted him through several streets familiar to his feet, and as they went along, Scrooge looked here and there to find himself, but nowhere was he to be seen. They entered poor Bob Cratchit's house, the dwelling he had visited before, and found the mother and children seated round the fire. Quiet, very quiet. The noisy little Cratchits were as still as statues in one corner, and sat looking up at Peter, who had a book before him. The mother and her daughters were engaged in sewing, but surely... They were very quiet. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. When Scrooge heard those words, he had not dreamed them. The boy must have read them out as he and the spirit crossed the threshold. Why did he not go on? The mother laid her work upon the table and put her hand up to her face. Color hurts my eyes, she said. The color? Ah, poor tiny Tim. They're better now again, said Cratchit's wife. It makes them weak by candlelight, and I wouldn't show weak eyes to your father. When he comes home for the world, I must be near this time. Pass it, rather, Peter answered, shutting up his book but I think he has walked a little slower than he used these past few evenings, mother. They were again very quiet. At last she said, and in a steady, cheerful voice that only faltered once, I have known him to walk with... I have known him to walk with Tiny Tim upon his shoulder very fast indeed. And so have I! cried Peter, often. So have I, exclaimed another. So had all. But he was very light to carry, she resumed, intent upon her work. And his father loved him so that it was no trouble, no trouble. And there is your father at the door. She hurried out to meet him, and little Bob and his comforter, he had need of it, poor fellow, came in. His tea was ready for him on the hob, and they all tried who should help him on to it most. Then the two young Cratchits got upon his knee and laid each child a little cheek against his face as they said, Don't mind it, father. 
don't be grieved. Bob was very cheerful with them and spoke pleasantly to all the family. He looked at the work upon the table and praised the industry and speed of Mrs. Cratchit and the girls. They would be long done before Sunday, he said. Sunday? You went today then, Robert? said his wife. Yes, my dear, returned Robert. I wish you could have gone. I, it would have done you good to see how green a place it is, but you'll see it often. I promised him that I would walk there on a Sunday. My little, little child, Bob cried. My little child. He broke down all at once. He couldn't help it. If he could have helped it, he and his child would have been further apart, perhaps, than they were. He left the room and went upstairs into the room above, which was lighted cheerfully and hung with Christmas. There was a chair set close beside the child, and there were signs of someone having been there lately. Poor Bob sat down on it, and when he had a thought, a little, and composed himself, he kissed the little face. He was reconciled to what had happened, and went down again, quite happy. They drew about the fire and talked, girls and mother working still. Bob told them of the extraordinary kindness of Mr. Scrooge's nephew, whom he had scarcely seen but once, and who, meeting him in the street that day, and seeing that he looked a little, just a little down, you know, said Bob, inquired what happened to distress him. On which, said Bob, for he is the pleasantest spoken gentleman you ever heard. I told him, I am heartily sorry for it, Mr. Cratchit, he said, and heartily sorry for your good wife. By the by, however, how he ever knew that, I don't know. Knew what, my dear? Why, uh, that you were a good wife, replied Bob. Everybody knows that, said Peter. Very well observed, my boy, cried Bob. I hope they do. Heartily sorry, he said, for your good wife. If, if I can be of service to you in any way, he said, giving me his card, that's, that's where I live. Pray come to me. Now, now it wasn't, cried Bob, for the sake of anything he might be able to do for us, so much as for his kind way, that this was quite delightful. It really seemed as if he had known our tiny Tim and felt with us. I'm sure he's a good soul, said Mrs. Cratchit. You would be sure of it, my dear, returned Bob, if you saw and spoke to him. I shouldn't be at all surprised, mark what I say, if he got Peter a better situation. Only hear that, Peter, said Mrs. Cratchit. You would be sure of it, my dear, returned Bob, if you saw and spoke to him. And then, cried one of the girls, Peter will be keeping company with someone and setting up for himself. Get along with you, retorted Peter, grinning. It's just as likely as not, said Bob, one of these days, though there's plenty of time for that, my dear. But however and whenever we part from one another, I am sure we shall none of us forget poor tiny Tim, shall we? or this first parting that there was among us. Never, father, cried they all. And I know, 
said Bob. I know, my dears, that when we recollect how patient and how mild he was, although he was a little, little child, we shall not quarrel easily among ourselves and forget poor Tiny Tim in doing it. No, never, father, they all cried again. I am very happy, said little Bob. I am very happy. Mrs. Cratchit kissed him. His daughters kissed him. The two young Cratchits kissed him. And Peter and himself shook hands. Spirit of Tiny Tim, thy childish essence from God. Spectre, said Scrooge. Something informs me that our parting moment is at hand. I know it, but I know not how. Tell me what man that was whom we saw lying dead. The ghost of Christmas yet to come conveyed him as before, through a different time, he thought. Indeed, there seemed no order in these latter visions, save that they were in the future. Into the resorts of businessmen, but showed him not himself. Indeed, the spirit did not stay for anything, but went straight on, as to the end just now desired, until besought by Scrooge to tarry for a moment. This court, said Scrooge, through which we hurry now, is where my place of occupation is, and has been for a length of time. I, I see the house. Let me behold what I shall be in days to come. The spirit stopped. The hand was pointed elsewhere. The house is yonder, Scrooge exclaimed. Why, why do you point away? The inexorable finger underwent no change. Scrooge hastened to the window of his office and looked in. It was an office still but not his. The furniture was not the same. The figure in the chair was not himself. The phantom pointed as before. He joined it again and wondered why and whither he had gone, accompanied it until they reached an iron gate, and he paused to look round before entering. It was a churchyard. And there is where we will leave it for tonight. <laughs> Scrooge is getting a look at the future. And things don't look too good for dear old Uncle Scrooge. All right, friends. Thank you, friends. Thank you so much for uh, coming along for the ride tonight. I will see you again on Saturday night. We'll continue reading our book. We'll have lots more to talk about. Happy birthday to Miko at two years old today. And uh, thanks for your likes, subscribe, follow, share. Appreciate them all. Downloads. I will see you on Saturday. Good night, folks. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. We're out of here.